Welcome to Mom Fashions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burdens of motherhood. I'm Emily. I'm Beth, and we're your hosts. We hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom Fashions, a Fort Worth Moms blog production. Episode 11, Adoption Q&A. Emily, today we're going to talk about adoption. Yay! And that is something that is very near and dear to your heart because that's how you grew your family. Yes. And I personally have just small interactions with adoption here and there. My youngest sister is adopted. And um, then I have several friends who foster and adopt. And so just kind of watching them go through it. But to me, it's still very much like this kind of otherworldly thing that these superhero moms do. And um, I just sit back in awe kind of of it. And so I just want to sit and hear your story and uh, ask you some questions and kind of talk through some things. The first thing that always comes to my mind is why adoption? Well, I would uh, give you a question back and say, (laughs) why not adoption? Well, for us, adoption was something that was on our hearts, for lack of a better phrase, before we ever even met each other. And for me, it wasn't necessarily um, like, oh, I want to be this like super empathetic, kind person, and I'm going to go out um, to the abandoned and be their mother. Like, there was nothing like that. It was just kind of a thought of, I like adoption. I hope one day I can, you know, that kind of thing. And then for my husband, he kind of had similar thoughts. Um, We um, had learned, even actually before we got married, that we were infertile. And so birth children weren't going to be a option for us. And um, I fully recognize that there are a lot of couples out there who go through years of like perhaps infertility and that's what leads them to adoption. And that is a completely acceptable way to get there. But for me, I actually, I cried about like the idea of infertility for about three days. I was really sad about it. And I swear to you on my life, after those three days, I've not shed another tear. I think we were just made for adoption from the beginning of time. Like it was intended to be, and I can't escape it. Whenever the time uh, came, we'd been married, I think about three years, and We thought that maybe we wanted to pursue the idea of kids. Um, Adoption was just the way that we went. The way that your children come to you may be different than like the most typical way that it happens, but it doesn't feel any different. Mm. Um, And I think it's really hard to convince people of that, Mm -hmm. that you will sort of feel somehow different about your adopted children as you would birth children. And it's completely 100% not true. And and you kind of like, you're not going to believe me until it happens to you. Mm-hmm. I think that that is has always been my biggest question. Does it 
feel differently? Do you walk through a different process as far as bonding with your child, connecting with your child? Um, and, and so I think you and I have talked about that before mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. in our experiences just right after bringing baby home. We have had similar experiences. There are like seven things I want to say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let me let me start with one. Okay, so bonding. We have brought our both of our girls home at two weeks old. Mm-hmm. Um, so another misconception that we feel sometimes is that, well, if they came home so young, mm-hmm. then they are not going to have any. Or maybe not any, but as much struggles when it comes to like loss and grieving of their birth families and um, all these things that you can kind of walk through as an adoptee. But that isn't true. Um, even though those little two-week-old bundles of joy can't sit me down and tell me how their heart feels, they have been removed from the womb they were in for nine months. Mm-hmm. And in our case, they were placed with the TLC family. In the story of my oldest daughter, you know, she was in the womb, at the hospital, um, in another temporary placement, and then another temporary place. So she was in four mm. places, slept in four different beds before she ever made it to my house when she was two weeks old. That impacts you. Even mm-hmm. at one day old, that mm-hmm. impacts you. So there are bonding techniques that we would use and which I would say most moms use. You know, you respond when they cry and um, you have them on your skin and you hold them a lot and you talk to them a lot and um, you make that connection. My oldest bonded with me, I would say, within 24 hours for sure. It, and I was a new mom and didn't really recognize that, but I can look back and know now. It took me a little bit longer to bond with her, not because I didn't love her or wasn't crazy about her, but I was in the first time mom phase of, oh my gosh, what (laughs) has happened? Right? Yeah. But I did bond with her and it was in a matter of days. My youngest, I bonded with her before I saw her. Like I was Mm -hmm. already a mom. My heart already knows what to expect. I was already well there. And she probably took two or three days. And um, it's funny now, like knowing their personalities, Anna Zane is totally quick to accept quick to want to be with you Mm -hmm. and my youngest is totally independent and like please give her her space don't rush her into anything thank you that varies because every adoption story is different Mm -hmm. so um some kids do not come home at two weeks old um some kids have years of attachment disappointments that you have to work on as an adoptive parent but My response when someone completely, genuinely, honestly, you know, has questions about adoption or feels scared of it because Mm -hmm. they've heard hard stories, maybe they've lived hard stories. My response to that is, if you don't want to parent hard stories, don't have children. Because as quickly as I could line up a row of adopted children who struggle with anxiety or ADHD or, um, I mean, just all kinds of things. I could make a line equally as long of birth children who struggle with the exact same things. Um, Hard seasons, 
hard times of parenting is not unique to adoption. It is unique to parenting children. Mm -hmm. Period. Period. The end. Yeah. I love thinking about it that way. That's been a misconception that I've recognized not only in my own life, but just in talking to others is this idea of adoption being like this great rescue or this great savior mentality. I mean, you're right in that it it's no different than any other type of parenting. Even your experience of bonding with your daughter, it took me a while, even after they handed me my first child, because I was like, can I touch her? Can I unwrap her? I don't know what to do with this. It's like this little thing that I had no idea what to do with. And so I would say emotionally bonding takes time sure no does. matter what Absolutely. you know yeah and so that feeling was the same but you're right in that parenting motherhood regardless of how your children come to you is about stepping into somebody else's hard story and walking alongside them yeah. we're doing that every day with our girls no Who are not what. adopted. Yeah. 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 But with your girls, my girls, same. Same thing. You know, yeah. we can, we're always saying, well, here's what's happening with her today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. what do you think about this? And mm -hmm. how can we best support her in this? And right. so changing my, um, my perspective from, you know, how I was viewing adoption to this is all of us coming alongside of our children. Right. And walking mm -hmm. with them through hard stories. We have to kind of unravel the stereotypes that our culture has about adoption. And I'll be the first to say they're very innocent. They're not malicious. Mm -hmm. Like most people are not thinking malicious thoughts, you know, about adopted children or adoption. It's just kind of how our culture has portrayed it. And we've accepted that narrative. Um through like movies and books and all these things kind of portray adoption in, in a way. And like even our language still does. Um, we will often hear people say, put up for adoption. Mm. And like, if you think about it, like where in the world, like why would you say put up? Like it's weird, mm -hmm. but there is a reason why we say it. So adoption started in this country from orphan trains is what they were called usually starting somewhere on the East Coast, whether it be children who were in fact orphaned, if they were children who were homeless, if they were children of people who were jailed, if they were children who were unruly. And sometimes families would, poor families in particular, would even put their children on these trains hoping for a better life for them. Yeah. So there would be literally trains that were filled with children. Mm -hmm. And they would make their track across the country and they would make different stops. In a similar way that slaves were put up on auction blocks to be auctioned off at these stops, you would put up the children on the auction block, on the train depot stand, whatever it was, and people would bid on them. Mm. In some cases, they were welcomed into a family. In a lot of cases, they were like indentured servants, essentially. Yeah, yeah it sounds that way. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, even here in our own town, we have um, the Gladney Adoption Center that started from Edna Gladney. She was a woman who rescued children off of the orphan trains. Mm -hmm. Like we are not that far removed from when this happened. 
And because that's kind of the first way that adoption was officially presented and accepted in our country, it's there's still remnants of that, right? That's why we kind of, we use the words put up for adoption. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of why we think adopted kids or those who are waiting are probably quote unquote bad kids. Mm-hmm. They're the ragamuffins that were put on the train, you know, and, you know, somehow ragamuffins don't deserve love and don't deserve parents. But that isn't true. Like it, they're, they're kids, just like the kid you birth. Mm-hmm. They just happen to have different circumstances. Like we have to fight kind of against that some and just people's understanding of adoption because then it leads to people thinking that we are saviors, that mm-hmm. we have saved these kids off of the auction block. And that is not how I see it at all. I've been given these kids as a gift and they are they are my treasure just like how you feel about kids that you birthed like you would never think that they're a charity mm-hmm. like my kids are not a charity yeah at all ever yeah. never and i will fight you if you say that <laughs> good <laughs> yes <You should. laughs> mama bear will come out see i'm no different <laughs> what would be the message you would want to share to help to change that mentality? Educating yourself and being around families who are adopted. um, I think if you just listen to them, that you will start to see a different perspective. Every adoptive family is different. I can tell my story and show you how my family looks, um, but everyone will be a little bit different, just like every other birth family Mm -hmm. is a little bit different. I would love if we could take the negative stigma away from adoption, even down to the really negative stereotypes that birth mothers have. I want to say to people that, and I've had some instances in public where strangers have come up to me and have said, you know, wow, like, good thing you got those girls because their birth mothers wouldn't take care of them or blah, blah, blah. I mean, like, you don't you don't even know these women, right? Mm-hmm. And here's the deal. Like, the women that you're thinking of that just neglect and are horrible to their children, guess what? They usually choose to parent their kids. Mm-hmm. They are not the women that are choosing adoption. The women who are choosing adoption are in really hard circumstances and they their hearts are shredded by the idea of choosing something different for their family than parenting but they're very brave i mean they are brave they give their child to someone else to raise like and she be, and she becomes my child it's not just uh, she's they're not on loan right like she has sacrificed that relationship And she does it because she is crazy in love with those girls. And she wants the absolute best shot that they can get. That is not a crackhead, crazy woman. That is a mother. This episode of Mom Fessions is brought to you by Fort Worth Moms, an online parenting resource for moms in Texas and throughout the United States. Visit fortworth.citymomsblog.com to learn more. Emily, to a mom who is out there and maybe adoption is just kind of a new inkling in her heart, or maybe she's in the middle of 
all of the paperwork and the waiting and the preparing, how can she begin thinking about her future birth mothers and loving them well? You know, you you just have to have kind of an open heart about whatever's coming. And I want to say that you don't have to have a perfectly open heart today. It's okay to be a little scared of what that relationship will look like. Whether you're scared it's going to be much closer than you want it to be, like an open adoption, or if you're scared that you're not going to know anything about her, or all the options that can be in between. When we first started the adoption process, I was closed to the idea of an fully open adoption like that scared me to death Mm -hmm. and you know I thought oh like that perfect situation would just be if I could know enough identifying information that when my kid's 25 she can go find them but the whole idea of having relationship and that kind of stuff scared me having my mind shift kind of like in that mothering perspective that being confident in the bond and relationship that I have with my child like freed me up to see that the more open I can be about the beginning of her story, the better it is for my kid. Suddenly, the things that are better for your child trump the things that make your heart fearful. We have two very different relationships with birth families between each child and I've definitely found that in our more open relationship, there are lots of beautiful and redemptive and healing things that can happen when you can open your heart to that. In adoption, you you face a lot of loss. There's loss on both sides. For sure. I mean, there are a lot of ups and downs in the waiting process. And I think the hardest part of your adoption story is the waiting season. like, And that includes maybe even harder than parenting children. The act of waiting in and of itself is difficult. And then you add in the feelings of helplessness and kind of nothing you can do. When you are waiting in adoption, you are waiting. And life is marching on while you are waiting. And Your mind and your heart can really take you to some crazy places. Um, You know, what ifs and did we did we choose the right agency? Are we making the right choice? You know, all kinds of things can um, filter through your mind. We have two very different waiting stories. Both were really hard. Um, The first, our eldest, we only waited four months. Um, before placement, but she was our 10th baby possibility. So literally in four months, we were in some type of situation that we could have become parents like nine times. That was very much an up and down roller coaster and not knowing kind of when it would happen. And then with our second daughter, we waited 14 months And she was our fifth baby possibility. I remember thinking, how am I going to know which baby is mine? And what I've learned post-adopt and what I would bet all the money in my bank, every adoptive mother who's worth her salt would say to you is that 
once you are placed with your child through whatever circumstances it may be, you know without a shadow of a doubt that this was your baby destined for you like forever. It's hard to explain to someone who hasn't experienced it, but once you're placed, no one in the world can convince you that this baby wasn't meant for you. I try to tell the mamas who are in that waiting phase when it's so, so hard and you have all this time for your mind to just run you ragged is that I would go through all nine of those up and down feelings and just the stress and the agony and the tears. I would do it 50 times over if at the end of it, Anna Zane was mine. You would do anything for your girls. Wouldn't you like climb a mountain? You'd swim the ocean. You'd do anything. Like I would do that even though it hurts, even though it's so hard. When the door closes, when it's a no, when the phone doesn't ring for another six weeks, that you can do this because you are going through this hard thing to get, for me, to get to your girl. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a boy too. Um, and it will be worth it. There will be an end to it one day. What sort of things can a mom do that would be good self-care during this waiting time? Your adoption agency, no doubt, will talk to you about making decisions before you're in the circumstance. Because when sometimes those circumstances come up, your heart and your mind will play tricks on you. So it is actually good self-care to have those discussions if you have a partner. So even like talking those out, even with friends and family, but making sure that you really understand where your boundaries are and what choices you're going to make and what kind of situation. I had just a handful of friends that we talked about um, the potential babies with. So you kind of have to, I guess, in some ways know yourself. Like, is it better for you to have a large group of people around you talking about it, you telling, like, you benefit from that back and forth sharing? Or do you just want a few? Or do you just want it to be you and your partner knowing these things and walking through them? Would it be too sad to have a nursery that is waiting along with you? Or is a nursery a visual reminder of the hope that it's going to happen? You know, like everybody's a little different. So I would say like just like talking about it and not feeling guilty or ashamed for whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to be more private, don't be ashamed about that. If you want to call your adoption counselor every other day, do it. Don't be ashamed about that. It's fine. They know. They've been there. They know how you feel. What about when you have to say no? Well, before you even create your family book to be shown, you have a large packet that you go through from your adoption agency. So it will ask you questions like if there is a history of mental illness and they'll list the different mental illness. If there was any like drug use or health problems, whether um, in the family history or active Um, during the pregnancy. And so you kind of make those choices about what you would consider and not consider. We have a tendency to say that, particularly if we're still clinging on to the savior mindset, oh, that we're going to be like open to anything, everything or whatever. And then whenever it comes down to it, actually, we may have some fears about some things, you know. Um, So this is your gut check to really like look into those and see what it is. What are your fears and what aren't your fears? 
what you're capable of as a parent and what you're not capable of as a parent. Uh, My husband and I made an agreement that if we weren't both yes, then it's a no. And that's hard, right? Because if I was the yes, it was it was almost it's not just tempting. It is like a mama bear coming out like you want to try to persuade him. But for the best interest of your family and that child, don't persuade him and vice versa. If one of you is a no, we stuck with, then it's a complete no. What about your extended family? How much do you involve your extended family in those decisions? It's a very difficult process, and we needed less voices instead of more voices for us to be able, honestly, for us to be able to walk the journey and kind of stay sane. I know there are other families who um, the grandparents have been involved in good sounding boards and good support, you know, for their kids going through the adoption process. Um, But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's you or you and your partner, you know, making the decision and knowing what is right for your family. Well, thank you, Emily, for answering my questions. And I know that we will be talking about this more. I think we should definitely talk about it again. Yes, absolutely. So that's it for today. But we'll be um, talking about adoption. So stay tuned and we'll do this again. Okay, see you later. As always, visit fortworth.citymomsblog.com to see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And just one more time, in case you didn't hear, it's fortworth.citymomsblog.com. Fort Worth Mom's Blog.